it just kind of blows my mind to think that every single one of those dots that's, that's a car has a person inside it that had a moment where they were super happy that they passed their driving test and like they're super sad that they did this and like some, some, pe- some people have experienced loss and some people have experienced joy some people just got married some people just got divorced like everyone has everyone is in a specific place in their life and it, it just it, it inspires me so much to think that everybody everybody I pass on the street has a life as infinitely complex as my life this is the Sparkcast, a bi-weekly show where we explore the creativity, technology, and business of CG. I'm your host, Marina Antunes. Like many animators, Eri Santos discovered his passion for animation at a young age. But rather than wait until he was grown up, to pursue his dream, he started on it immediately. With a copy of Blender, an animation school syllabus, and a dream to work at Pixar, eight-year-old Eri was on his way. A decade after his dream began, Eri found himself standing at the gates of Pixar for his first day of work. The journey to working in animation has been long and challenging, but through it all, Erie has persevered, working through those challenges and rejections to make a career for himself. And now he's looking ahead to the next stage of his creative life. We recently had a chance to speak with Erie about his self-guided journey to working in animation, inspiration, and his self-dubbed lofty goals for the future. Here's our conversation with Erie Santos. Um, so I thought we would start by talking a little bit about, you know, young Eri. What were you like as a kid? Where did you go off? Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, I was a nerd. I was a huge, <laughs> I loved, I loved animation and um, I was homeschooled. Like I, first of all, if you want to go to the very beginning, I, I was born in Nigeria and I lived there for a few years. And then um, when I was four, I moved to, um, when I was three, sorry, I moved to Scotland and I lived there for about 11 years, and that's when I, I started started picking up animation. And, like, I just loved watching these movies and watching behind the scenes. And, like, it was just such a, like, it just, every time I watched behind the scenes, I saw people working at the computer and, like, seeing the, the magic behind the curtain. It was the most exciting thing, you know? And, um, yeah, I just kind of kept on going from there. So did you always know that you wanted to do animation? Um, kind of pretty much, I think like, um, it was half and half. So I, I, I wanted to do acting and for a long, long time. And to a certain point, I still do. And then, um, I also just loved working on the computer. I love being on the computer. I loved kind of, you know, tinkering with, with the software and tinkering with the hardware and all that kind of stuff. And then when I discovered computer animation, it was this thing about, oh, I get to, I got to marry, um, the, the, acting and the computer part of it and then kind of go ahead and start doing animation. That was the most exciting moment when I realized that. And how old were you when that happened, when you had that realization that this was something you could actually do? I was very young. So I was like eight or nine at that point. Okay. So this is fascinating to me because how does an, like a nine-year-old decide, okay, this is what I, what I want to do with my life and this is how I'm going to go about it. And you have like a whole plan. So can you talk a little bit about that? I think like that was the thing that like, I I admired the naivety that I had because <laughs> it was like I didn't know what I was getting into sort of thing where I was like okay well this just looks really cool and I really really like doing it and like I like the feeling of you know clicking around on the computer for a long time and then 
showing something so an impressive play and it looks like the characters moving and dancing and singing i'm like that is that is the most exciting thing how could you not get excited by <laughs> you know getting to you know do something that's absolutely not real but then people still have a real reaction to it you know was there you know you say you're a fan of animation and, and you were even as a child but was there like a a catalyst was there something that you saw or a, a movie or a project that you saw and, and thought okay how how did they make that and then you 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 actually saw the process and that was the thing that kind of triggered it for you for sure yeah i think um as far as i remember it was i was watching madagascar so currently i'm 24 and um yeah, so I was around eight or nine years old when Madagascar came out. And then I remember looking at the behind the scenes on the on the DVD and I was thinking to myself, wait a second, someone's working on the computer doing some some stuff. And I all of a sudden I, I see it on the movie and I, I kind of realized in that moment that wait a second, this guy is probably getting paid to do cartoons. What that's a that's a job? You know, and then that's when it was like it sparked that excitement in me, like, wait a second, if I can do this full-time i can do this every day that that just sounds like the best thing ever you know it's one thing to have that 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 realization that this is something that you actually do and then to actually do it so at eight or nine years old how do you even begin to um you know figure out what tools you need what skills you need how you even get started learning this stuff like where did you even start with all of that yes that was the thing like luckily i had a friend who um had been had been tinkering with computer animation for a while as well. It was one of my older brother's friends, and he and I, when I told him like I was really excited by this new thing called animation, he told me about this free three D software called Blender, and I was like, oh, what? What is that? Like, yeah, you can make movies and games, and it's like it's and it's free. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no way! So I downloaded Blender. Remember opening up the scene for the first time. And then putting a box in the scene and being like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I did it. I'm a, I'm a professional. You know, I got so excited just by doing something as simple as that. But I started learning those tools just by, you know, going on YouTube and just watching tutorials. And it just after years and years and years of just doing that over and over again, I started to kind of get um, accustomed to this software and accustomed to the, to the concept of, of CG. And that was what kind of, you know, stuck with me for the whole time that's so that's so amazing to me that you know over the years you just worked on your own to to develop the skills and the knowledge to become an animator can you talk a little bit about you know staying motivated and and finding like where did you find inspiration and how did you stay like on track with you know your learning because you're a kid doing this kind of on the side I mean you're still doing schoolwork how do you even balance that at such a young age that's the thing. So, like, <clears throat> um, I was homeschooled, and what, what was great about the about the curriculum that we we're using was that if you once you finish your work for the day, you're done, and you can just do whatever you want. So, um, I was obsessed with animation. So, what I would do is I just, you know, really quick finish my work as quickly as I could, two hours in the morning, and then spend the whole day just, you know, trying to learn animation. And um, that was something that my parents were very like, wait, why don't you spend that much effort in, in school? I'm like, I put in the effort in school too, but this is what is exciting to me, you know? And I have such an obsessive personality that anytime I found something that excited me, I just kind of, I just grasped it onto it and didn't let it go. And were your parents uh, concerned or supportive about your new obsession? Um, 
I would say that as a as a pre adolescent boy, my dad was concerned how much time I was spending on the computer, <laughs> for sure. But I would say that um, having conversations with just seeing how much, like seeing the different creations that I was I was making, um, they realized I wasn't it wasn't the other things that they thought I was doing on the internet. But um, yeah, I would say that it was just it was just all about finding what I I found the most exciting to me. If that makes sense. I think it's really interesting that, you know, your two passions are these two things that are both, they're, they're helpful to, one is helpful to the other, but they're also very dissimilar. So like your passion for creating animation and then your passion for, you know, acting and being on stage and in a group. Yeah. And um, how did those two things work side by side for you as you were growing up and how have they shifted the way that you actually work as a professional animator now. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, you know, growing up, I had a lot, like, luckily my parents were, they put me in a lot of, um, like, performing arts sort of things growing up. So I did a lot of community theater. I did a lot of um, speech stuff. And, like, that really helped me kind of learn how to perform. So I've been I've been in that sort of world for since, since a pretty young age. And then um, when I started with animation, it was this thing where I, I get to, I get to be not just me, but I could be, you know, older, I could be younger, I could be you know, a dog, I could be a horse, I could be a human, I could do, be whatever in the world of animation because I'm playing with these puppets, you know? So I was kind of like, I was kind of drawn to the concept of being able to do whatever, whenever, you know, and be whatever. And and do you find that, you know, being being able to act out a scene and being willing to kind of look goofy and try things that like might not look great on camera, but are helpful for creating character, that, that seems like such a huge part of your work process. And yeah. I'm wondering uh, how how um, you kind of encourage other people to use that as well, because it seems it feels like it's such a natural um and sort of essential part to being an animator. Absolutely. And I think that I personally love filming reference and I, I use a lot of reference with my, for my animation. I think I, I love it so much because the concept of getting paid to look like a complete idiot on camera is just so fascinating to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I love getting to just be silly and just kind of goof around, well, goof around it with a productively, if that makes sense. But, um, like that's just so much fun to me and I get to explore different things. I get to act different ways and do whatever. And then I get to take all of that, <clears throat> all that time I spend acting and then um, convert it into my, uh, my animations. You know, I get, I get to do things like that. And that to me is just the most exciting part of, of, of the whole process, you know, is that conversion I wanted to backtrack a little bit. So, you know, you're, you're teaching yourself animation, you're doing your schoolwork, uh, you graduate high school and you're now you're on your way to kind of trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. You know, post-secondary. So you went to university, but you didn't go to university for animation. Can you no. talk a little bit about this decision? So that whole, <laughs> well, long story short, <laughs> um, my parents, I told my parents I wanted to be an artist <laughs> and they said, okay. I hear you, but just in case, <laughs> you know, study something else and see what, uh, just, in, just so you can have a backup. But again, I went to university and I was obsessed. I just did my work as quickly as I could and then just kind of focused a lot on, on animation. And actually that, that transition from, from high school to, to university was a very, very like 
a very, very influential time in my life because again, like I, at this point, by the time I was graduating high school, I had been teaching myself animation for about, what is this like eight to 10 years at that point. And um, I remember that summer I was 18 and my brother was 21. And then um, my, my parents said, Hey, for your birthday, we wanted to kind of surprise you guys. And we wanted to kind of give you, you boys a trip to wherever you wanted to go. And coincidentally, just that summer, there was a bunch of Pixar animators in the, in San Francisco who were doing, or I guess in Emeryville, who were doing um, free portfolio reviews. And I was like, oh my gosh, can we go to San Francisco? Please, please. I want to go to San Francisco. Please, please, please. And then my brother was down. And then eventually when we went, I got to show my work. I, I took my demo reel, I put it on a, on a, on a USB drive. And I was like, okay, this is my, this is my ticket to, this is going to be my big break. I'm so excited, you know? And like, we, I flew down from Canada to, um, to California to kind of show them my work. And one of the animators there, who I will not name for, just for his his, uh, his his safety, or not safety for his for his sake. Um, he saw my work and he and he was he was impressed and he was like, "Wow, you taught yourself! I can't believe that you do." And oh, he 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 ended up giving me a tour of Pixar and and uh, he was just saying how you know up up until this point I've been studying I've been trying to do this by myself and I'm not by myself anymore and I have his support and I'm like oh my gosh it's the most amazing you know and he was an animator that had who I had been looking up to for like five six years at that point and to be able to have my hero say those things to me to my face the moment I met him was just the most it was the most like energizing moment of my life I would say at that point and he basically said hey you know if you if you want some mentorship I can I was, I'm totally not to do that and and he ended up helping me, uh, help helping mentor me throughout my first two years of university. And um, when I got to university, it was a thing of I was I was I had the most focus I'd ever had in my entire life. Like I had, I knew that I wanted to go to Pixar. I wanted to be able to work there one day, and like that was my goal. I really like that was my ultimate life goal. I want to be able to be an animator at Pixar, or just get behind those gates. And before we move on too far from that, if I if I just say a little funny thing that that morning when, when we got to the, the um, San Francisco, um, my brother and I drove past the gates of, of, of Pixar and I got out of the, got out of the car and then we went up to the security guard and I said, Hey, I know this is probably a long shot, but is there any possibility that I might be able to get a, a tour maybe? And he said, Oh, well, you know what? Unfortunately, because it's a, it's, it's a close film set where we can't technically give out tours, but if you know someone inside, then they can give you a tour. I'm like, oh, you know what? Thanks. I appreciate that. And I was just walking away. I kind of got the sense of like, <clears throat> I really, I really, really want to tell him that this is my dream. So I walked back to him and I said, you know what, sir? I'm going to work here one day. And he goes, you know what? You do that. If that's what you want to do, if that's your dream, you work towards it and you accomplish it. And I said, yeah, I will. I will. I will. So um, fast forward again, back to, back to my first year of university. I, I had been applying to the Pixar internship. I'd been applying to, um, work as an animator for years at that point. Obviously, I'm not ready for it, but then um, I've been getting rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter, and I thought, okay, well, this year is going to be different. I have I have a mentor who's on the inside, and he's going to recommend me, and it's going to be amazing. And then um, that my summer after my my first year of university, I applied again, and I got rejected again. And I was like, oh man, that's just <clears throat> so close, so close. Maybe next year, maybe next year. So. 
Um, I work, you know, the typical summer jobs that summer. And then the next summer, I do the same thing. I'm still getting mentored by um, not only him, but a couple other animators who um, are working in different studios. Another, There was another Pixar animator who was mentoring me, another, and at the time, there was another Sony animator, too. Um, and you can let me, you can stop me if I'm going. <laughs> to, no, no. No. But, uh, yeah, there was another Sony animator who was mentoring me, too. And as my second year of university is going on, Again, I'm thinking to myself, oh, let me just let me just apply again just to kind of see what happens. But I'm starting to lose steam at this point because this is this is over 10 years of learning animation and pretty much nothing is happening. So I'm starting to think maybe I should uh, maybe I should give this up. And like this dream is kind of a pipe dream. My parents are right. I shouldn't blah, 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 blah. And then <clears throat> um, my one of my mentors, the, the guy who was working at Sony, he said, hey, you know what? You should also apply to Sony. And I said, well. First of all, I'm not going to get in. And second of all, um, I'm not going to jump out of school, even if I do get in. He said, oh, don't worry about that. Just apply. We'll see what happens. And I said, fine, I apply. And that was, that was um, close to the beginning of my, of my second year. And then the whole year goes by. I'm still working on my stuff. I'm, nothing, I'm not hearing any news from anybody. I get to the end of my second year. And then I remember one day, like I was having a really, really rough day. Like I found out some really bad news at a friend from a friend and I was just having one of those moments where you just kind of, you just need to escape, you know? And I went over to the, to the bleachers of, of the, um, of the soccer field at the, at the school I went to and I was just sitting there by myself and, um, I was just kind of like, you know what? The only thing that can, that can stop me from, from giving up animation right in this very moment is if I got into Pixar. And I kid you not, two minutes later, my phone buzzes and it's an email and it says Pixar internship. My heart starts to race and I'm like, oh my gosh, no way, no way, no way, no way. I open up the email and it says, hey, Ari, are you free for the summer for, for an internship? Oh. oh my gosh. And I start like freaking out. I'm like, I'm starting to hyperventilate and I stand up and I go, yeah! I'm screaming. I'm like, I'm so excited. And then I call my mom and I say, Mom, 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 guess what? Guess what? She's like, whoa, 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 Mom, guess what? She goes, Pixar? I said, yes. Ah! She's screaming on the phone. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this is the most exciting moment of my life. I got out of that. I, got, I told everybody. I go to my roommate and my roommate was super excited. And um, five days later, I got an email from Sony. Another thing, another thing too, I forgot to mention was that um, I applied to the Sony internship too, and I got rejected. I got rejected from it. So I was like, "Oh wow! Well, if I didn't even get into the internship, there's no way I'm going to get into any other position." Five days later, I get an email from Sony, and then they're saying, "Hey, um, so we saw your work, and uh, we thought we want to interview you for um, Hotel Transylvania." And I was like. <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so excited and uh, you know, all this stuff is happening. And then, um, yeah, so I, as I'm doing the interview, I'm thinking to myself, okay, the, the last thing I want to let them know is that I'm still in school. I, I don't want to wreck my opportunity. Like this is, I, this, this is my most, this is the best opportunity. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. And then I do the interview and the first, the first couple of questions is like, oh, tell me about yourself, oh, blah, 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 blah. How long have you been learning animation? Blah, 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 blah. And then he asked me, oh, where did you go to school? And I go, okay, um, well, I went to Trinity Western. And he goes, oh, okay, cool, when did you graduate? And I go, well, I graduate in two years. And he goes, in two years? 
I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. So you, you're going to drop out or? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, you know that we don't do part-time or anything. And I said, I know. And he said, okay, then why did you apply? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't think I was going to get in. And he goes, huh, interesting. Well, we'll see how that goes. And then that was the end of the interview. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, blown that. I don't, I didn't, you know, that's just the worst. I didn't, I shouldn't have told him. I should have lied and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, basically I just forget about that opportunity. And I say, you could, that was, that was a bust. I'm not, that's not happening. I'll just move on with my life. At least I have Pixar. That's, that's, that's my dream, you know? And then, um, I get fast forward to, to that summer where the summer after my, my second year of university, I, I go down to the States and I'm, I'm working in, I start my internship and on my first day of my internship, I'm walking up to the gate and I'd see the security guard. It's the same security guard from three years prior to that, who I told, Hey, by the way, I'm going to work here one day. And I, and I, I say, Oh my gosh, you will not believe this, but I was here three years ago and I told you I was going to work here one day. And he like stands up, he gets out of the booth, he gives me a hug and he's like, congratulations, son. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, ah, thank you so much. And he gives me my badge and I walk in and it's just one of the most like, you know, incredible experiences. And that summer was, I learned so much about not only just animation, but I learned so much about the industry. I learned so much about myself. And like, it was just such a phenomenal summer. And halfway through this, halfway through the summer, this is about three, four months after I get, after I do the, the, um, the interview with Sony, I get a, an email from them and they say, Hey, so I talked to the supervisors and I talked to the, we talked to HR and if you're interested, we're willing to do a part-time thing with you. We want to bring you on board and we'd love for you to work part-time as an animator as, as long as you can, you know, still attend school and still attending classes. <laughs> you know, again, that whole, that whole four month period just seemed like such an unrealistic, you know, thing. And so I finished that summer and then I go back to, I, I go back to Vancouver and I'm, and, and I'm in school still. And in my third year of university, I'm working part-time at Sony as well as doing my, uh, my, my classes, which I must say, I do not recommend whatsoever. That was not a good idea <laughs> to try and balance that. But it taught me so much about time management. It taught me so much about how to work efficiently and also taught me how to sort of, you know, taught me so much about, about, you know, the industry. And like, I would, obviously I was super green. I didn't go to school for animation. So I didn't know a lot of the lingo. I didn't know very basic, basic things that you should, that you should know as, as you're, as you're working like a little tiny, if I, if I made a little tiny side note was that a really embarrassing story that I, Oh, I tell, all my students is that my first my first week of working at Sony, um, I I got assigned a shot, and then um, I worked the whole week on the shot, and I'm, I'm so excited to show it to my my my, my lead, and then I finish, I get to the end of it, and um, all of a sudden, boom, Maya crashes. I try opening up the I try opening up the file again, and boom, the file's corrupted, and I think, uh oh. So I walk over to my lead and I say, hey, um, are there any cool, fancy Sony tools that, you know, uncorrupt a file? And he goes, oh, no. Have you tried this? Yeah. Have you tried that? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why I just, just go back to your previous version. And I say, previous version? What, what do you mean? He's like, no, like the, the version before the one you're currently working on. And I said, I, what, are you, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, like, have you not been saving versions? I'm like, what do you mean saving versions? And he goes, 
wait, so have you just been working on the same file the whole week? And I said, yes. And he goes, Ugh. well, he had the most patience. <laughs> he had the most patience with me. He's saying, well, just so you know, it's okay. You don't have to worry about space here. Like, like this space, this is a, this is a big company. They can handle it, <laughs> you know? So that was a tough lesson to learn. I lost an entire week's worth of work because I didn't know how to version, <laughs> version of my scene. Never miss another episode of your favorite podcast. Search for the Sparkcast wherever you get your podcasts and then hit follow or subscribe to be notified of new updates. I wanted to ask you about, there's a couple of things that came out from that little bit of information. And the first that I want to talk about is mentorship. And you talk a little bit about how you had these mentors that you were working with that were really supportive and and sort of guiding you through the process of Mm self-learning. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, where you found those mentors and and, and how you worked with them? Like, what was that process like for you? I, I heard you tell a story about sending like thousands yep. of emails. Yep, yep, yep. This is true. <laughs> so, um, as I was learning animation, one of the one of the cool things was that there's this online animation school that had all their the entire syllabus online, and I was like, "Well, that's fantastic! I'll just learn by myself." So I just started doing assignments and kind of comparing it with um, with with other students' work. But it came to a certain point where you can't really just learn that learn certain things by yourself. Like you have to have someone kind of you know, critique your work and you have to have, you have, to have someone, you know, um, mentor you cert- through certain areas. So I thought to myself, well, if I want to have certain mentors, what do I do? I just ask them to see who I, who I can um, get to mentor me. So that's the story you heard that I I went on online. I went to IMDb and I and I went through all the different animated movies that I, that I enjoyed. And I just went to the, to the, to the credits list. I just went click, 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 searched everybody's names. Whoever had um, an email address online, I would email them <clears throat> and it's be like, hey, can you please look at my work? Hey, can you please look at my work? And like you said, I sent about, I sent close to 2,000, over 2,000 emails. Um, and I got maybe 15, 20 replies, you know, and that was such a, but those 15, 20 replies were the most valuable thing to me. Every single time I got a new reply from, from a new animator, I'd be like, Mom, look, 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 look. I have this animator. And took it's like, and so exciting. Um, but then, yeah, I, I, I was reaching out to those people. Some of them stuck, some of them didn't. And um, what I found was very beneficial was that the people who actually replied were the people who were the most influential. You know, And, and I, I, met, I, I got to work with some of them. I got to meet some of them. And like that was such a weird experience being like I working with essentially celeb by celebrities, you know, like these people are people I idolized growing up and then like getting to sit next to them and have them critique my work was just the most powerful thing to me, you know? Yeah. I, I also wanted to ask about, you know, you talk a little bit about how being in school and working uh, really put your time management skills to the test but I can only imagine that that's something that you'd always worked with because I mean you'd always been doing animation on the side while you were doing something else Um, can you talk a little bit about your particular process for you know managing your time and planning your days because I think that's so key and it's not something that is really taught right you either figure it out how to do it or you don't. Um, so how do you manage your time? Like, how do you prepare, like, yeah. for your days or your weeks or your months? 
I think that's a f fantastic question. I think that the best thing for me was just learning how to schedule, like learning what is necessary, what is unnecessary, and learning how to, um, first of all, decipher between those two, and then learning how to, um, how to ma organize that time and manage that time. Like something that my dad always used to, to tell me anytime I said, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. He said, listen, if, you, if you're not there, will they, will they still be able to, will they still be able to move on? And I said, well, certain things was yes, some things was no. And I think that that something that was really helpful to me is kind of realizing that <clears throat> I don't have to say yes to everything, you know? And that is something that was really, really hard for me to, it was a hard lesson that I'm still trying to learn that I don't have to say yes to everything, but um, the things that I do say yes to, I need to commit to, you know? And that was like being able to just kind of decide, okay, well, now that I have all these things on my plate, I need to organize this way. I can, I can give a hundred percent to everything when I, when I can give a hundred percent to everything in those, in those individual aspects, you know? And I think that, um, also kind of looking ahead and trying to plan, okay, what do I, what do I want to accomplish by this certain date? Like if I'm, what do I want to accomplish by next month and how can I organize my time to be able to make sure that I, I work incrementally at it as opposed to just trying to rush everything and just kind of get everything out once and then kind of rush the next thing and rush and get that out and rush the next thing. How do I work at a bunch of different things little, little by little over time. So I don't feel overwhelmed by it. You know, mm -hmm. I think that was probably the most important lesson. Do, do you use like a digital planner or do you do paper planning? Like how do you plan yeah. your, your time? Google calendar all the way. I am. I love everything. Google, like being able to use Google docs and Google sheets and Google calendar. And like, I, everything just feels connected. This is not a paid sponsorship at all, <laughs> but um, I just, I like the, the flexibility that, that Google kind of gives me. And I can, I can look at where, where I need to be and what I need to do with on my phone on my computer or my, you know, anything. So it's been really helpful. Do, do you, I'm curious, do you, do you schedule your downtime? Like, do you schedule uh, your self-care and, and your time away from work and away from other commitments? Yeah, to a certain extent. Like, I, I, I always schedule my movie time. Like, especially this year, I've, I've been trying to watch at least one movie every day. So I definitely schedule that time out. But I, I'm not good at taking breaks and I need to get better at it. Um, I, I'm going to come back to the scheduling of movie watching, but I, one of the other things that I wanted to ask about was rejection, because you'd mentioned yeah. that, you know, you had applied to all these programs as you were starting out and you, you kept getting this, re, these rejections, but you kept pushing forward. Yeah. What did you learn and, and what do you continue to learn about like when you get rejected? What does that motivate you? I like, clearly it's, it's, it can be heartbreaking when you don't get what you really want, but yeah. How do you work through that wall of rejection after rejection? For sure. I think the first thing that I did, <clears throat> and and I don't know if I still recommend to do this, but it helped me, and I don't think it's for everybody, but every single rejection letter that I would get, I would print it out, and I would frame it, and I would put it up above my computer, and I would use that as my motivator. I'd say, you know what? If I want, if I want that, I need to, I need to remind myself about, I need to remind myself of the pain of rejection, which I don't know if this is the most healthy thing to do, but, um, it helped me, <laughs> you know? And, um, luckily what I found was also very, very beneficial is that the summer jobs that I was working, um, in university was door, door, door to door sales. 
And that was very, very helpful in learning how to deal with the projection because it just taught me to always look at the next thing. Like always look at, okay, if I, if I knock on one door and they say no, that's fine. The next door is a yes. Knock on that door, they say no. Fine, that's, don't worry about it. The next door is a yes. And that helped me kind of keep a good attitude and learn how to learn how to celebrate my wins and also work through my losses, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, the best thing about that is that like when you once you get a win, you celebrate it, but you don't you don't let that you don't let that, you know. You don't let you don't stay stay there if that makes sense. I think that to me personally, it's a thing of every single win that I get. It's always like, okay, cool, I've got that win. Next one, okay, I got that win. Next one, and that's what I think was a major personality change I kind of had when I was doing the door to door sales. Um, I wanted to ask too about you know software, and you talk a little bit about how you when you started, <clears throat> you were working in Blender because it was the free application that was out there. Yeah. But that's not the only application that's used in 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 animation. And as somebody that didn't get you no know, formal training, yeah, how do you or how did you sort of decide? what other software you needed to learn and can you talk yeah. a little bit about that transition of finding your way through these different softwares that you know maybe weren't as popular or weren't as easy for you to nav- jump right into 100% so i think um <clears throat> once i started using blender i was just kind of learning how to use that and and what i needed to do to to use that and then there came a point where i said you know what i i want to be working in feature animation now, if I want to work in feature animation, I need to know what software they use in feature animation, you know? And like I said, I, I watched so much behind-the-scenes footage, and every time I'd see an animator working, I'd always see a specific software. I'm like, what is this software? It's the same software everyone's using, but I don't know what the software is. So I, you know, started scouring the internet at the time. Like, there wasn't there wasn't so much, there wasn't so much um, information about, you know, these different things, and I think that um, once I finally learned that the professionals were using Autodesk Maya, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is what I need to learn. I need to learn every single Autodesk software. Turned out I did not need to learn every single <laughs> Autodesk software. It was just Maya. But um, what was beneficial about that is I, I kind of, I kind of, um, once I started learning Maya, I was also learning another software, 3DS Studio Max at the same time. So kind of bouncing between Maya, 3D Studio Max, and Blender, that kind of gave me this, the certain flexibility of like learning different tools and learning how to like switch between, you know, sort of code switching between software. And that was super helpful for when, you know, I went to Pixar and I had to learn their software as well. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, do you have any tips or tricks for um, folks when they when they take on a position? Because... Yes, there's, you know, everybody, not everybody, but, you know, there's a common set of tools that are used across the industry. But the reality of it is that there's also internal programs and applications that are specifically developed. And there's always a little bit of a learning curve. Mm -hmm. Do you have some tips and tricks for folks that, you know, are starting a new position or students that are coming into the industry for the first time on how they can sort of maximize the learning of these new tools? Mm -hmm. I think that... um... The number one thing I would just say is that you need to learn how you work first. Once you've learned how you work, then you can then you can learn how the software can help you. You know, like this, this something I like one of my biggest mantras is that you should not work for the computer. The computer should work for you. You know, 
you should not allow the computer to dictate your your process. You're not allowed, you should not allow the, the computer to do anything other than what the computer does best, which is creating perfect motion and doing certain things. You know, so I think once you learn how you work, just learn how you can work in certain softwares. Like learn the certain the specific tools that you need to know to be able to work in that software, and then that would be the best you know thing for you. You know, if that makes sense. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. Let's move away a little bit from, you know, the technology. And I wanted to talk to you about inspiration a bit, because I I think it's really fascinating that, you know, you block off time every day to watch a movie. And I expect that this is as much of a a mental health break as it is a learning thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, you said it perfectly. I think for me, it's, is as much mental health as it is learning. Like it's a huge part of me. Like I, I have a lot of lofty goals <laughs> in, in this industry and, and in film industry. And something that's really, really important to me is that if I want to be, a, if I want to be a good filmmaker, I need to what I need to know what good film is, you know? So I watch a lot of, I watch as many good, in my opinion, I watch as many good movies as bad movies. Cause I need to know what makes a movie bad. I need to know what makes a movie good, you know? And I think that, <clears throat> um, something that I'm trying to do that I'll be starting next month is that I want to um, pick a director and then just go through his entire catalog and then pick another director and go hit to their entire catalog and then go pick another director, so on and so forth. And then hopefully that teaches me about the evolution of style, the evolution of taste, the evolution of diff- different things. It also teaches me about different styles and different tastes and different storytelling methods. And, and that really, really, you know, I think, as much, like you said, as much as it is learning, it is also about inspiration. It's also about, you know, getting excited about the craft every single day, you know? And are you just watching animation or are you kind of watching a little bit of everything? Oh, no, I, I, there's very little <laughs> animation that I'm watching these days. But um, I still, obviously, I still love animation. I still wa- love watching it. I love dissecting it. But I'm watching mostly live action movies. So let's talk about some of these lofty goals. Are these lofty goals directing animation or are we talking directing features? That's so that's the thing. Like I would love to direct whatever I can direct in the future. And I think that um, part of part of what I'm trying to do this year in particular is that I'm trying to I'm trying to move more away from telling people what I want to do and I want to start telling people what I have done. And if I want to tell people what I want to do, I need to do it first. You know, so that is kind of forcing me to do things like I before I'd be saying, hey, I want to I want to write movies. I want to direct movies. I want to do this. I want to do that. But now I'm kind of okay. if I want to tell people anything, if I want to tell people what I'm excited about, I need to do it first. You know, and that's helping me um, take things out of out of out of the sky, basically, and bring them down to earth and make make my make my dreams more of a reality. You know, like I heard this this saying the other day that kind of stuck with me was that dreams are called dreams for a reason is because they happen when you're sleeping so you need to wake up and make them a reality and i was like wow that's that's powerful (laughs) to me you know so that's kind of stuck with me i'm curious would your wish list be to direct a a live action feature or an animated feature both like i would love to do both i think that there's certain stories that can be told in animation and there's certain stories that can be told in live action i think that um, obviously anybody who's in film would say that Wes Anderson is a huge inspiration, but he really is like, he, he has developed such an amazing style that his live action films, you can tell are inspired by animation and his animation is inspired by live action, you know? 
And that's what I want. I want to, like, I feel like my taste is kind of developing right down the middle of that alley where, like, a lot of my, a lot of my, um, I, I analyze a lot of live action performances to put into my animation. And I, put, and I analyze a lot of animation to put into my live action performances, you know? And I think that that is, I, as, I, as I continue to develop as a filmmaker, I feel like that's something that I, I really, really want to focus on. I think it's fascinating because everything that you're doing is kind of leading you to this role of being a, you know, a storyteller, a writer and, and director, a creator. Um, and I, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, we talked a little bit about how films are an inspiration, but do you get inspiration from other places? Maybe as I may sound, but I just, I yeah, love, honestly, I love um, getting to my biggest life. inspiration. And I think that um, watching people, if I could, if I could just animate people sitting on a bench or, you know, eating a sandwich all day, every day, I would, that would, that sounds like the dream to me, just because it's just life. And to me, people are the most inspiring thing, like getting to hear people's stories and getting to hear people's, you know, lives and getting to, getting to hear what inspires them, what makes them nervous, what makes them excited and all these different things. Like, you know, there, anytime I'm, I'm in a plane and I, and I, it just sounds very wistful, but anytime I'm, I'm in a paint plane, I look down and just kind of see like the snake trail of, of cars. It just kind of blows my mind to think that every single one of those dots that's, that's a car has a person inside it that had a moment where they were super happy that they passed their driving test and like they were super sad that they did this. And like some, some, pe- some people have experienced loss and some people have experienced joy. Some people just got married. Some people just got divorced. Like everyone has, everyone is in a specific place in their life. And it, it just it, it inspires me so much to think that everybody everybody I pass on the street has a life as infinitely complex as my life, you know. And that to me is just the most because there's so many stories that have not been told, and there's so many stories to tell, you know. And that is what inspires me is just hearing stories, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting is you've talked before about how. Um, you know, the anim- animation is changing and it's not not just, and I mean, it, it's clear from even with the stuff that's out there now, there's there seems to be a shift happening in in what's available. Um, and yeah. things things are starting to be a lot more nuanced and they're a lot more um, uh, varied. There's a lot more options. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, with your experience in the industry and your love for animation, for filmmaking and storytelling in general, where do you see sort of animation going mm-hmm. i think that you know for the for the past hundred or so years animation has been kind of focused on um telling a lot of princess stories telling a lot of like fairy tale you know kids stories and i think that those are wonderful and those are very inspiring and like you can tell very meaningful stories with that but that's not the only thing animation can do you know like animation isn't a genre like animation has such versatility it has it has so many different uses and um like when i'm talking about i would love to see more adult stories i'm not talking about i don't i'm not excited by things that you know are very vulgar and, and like anytime you hear adult animation it's just usually a lot of toilet humor a lot of like you know raunchy this and to me that's just not as entertaining as like being able to tell you know being able to tell the next Blade Runner. What if you tell, like, just if you wanted to tell that in in animation, you could do you could do such an interesting, you know, thing with that. And I think that it's it's 
there's there's a huge huge market that we're just now starting to tap, tap into that um has existed for decades in in eastern animation but it's just now starting to get into western animation um where we get to tell more mature stories where we get to tell different stories that you know can be told in a very unique special way in animation you know like i'm a huge i'm a huge advocate for for telling stories the way they should be told you know and i think that there's certain stories that certain there's certain stories that can be told in animation or live action or whatever but there, there are certain stories that can only be told in live action. There are certain stories that can only be told in animation, and that they require those mediums to to be able to. There are certain stories that can only be told in books and games, and those are that's what's exciting to me. Is that we're just now starting to tap into the potential of of um, animation, you know. And I I'm just so excited by the fact that we have you know more and more budget being thrown at, at projects that tell these different stories. Yeah, there seems to be um, more of a, not only an appetite, but more of an openness to try something new. Absolutely, yeah. I remember watching uh, Waltz with Bashir a number of years back, and I, I had walked into the theater very late. I think the film had already started, and so I was sitting like three rows from the screen, which I never sit at. And I was in tears at the end of that movie. It hit me in a way that nothing else had before. And I think it was the first yeah. animated film that I'd seen that, was like so moving in a way that was totally unexpected. And I'm always looking for that reaction. Like, is this yeah. going to be the movie that gives me that again? Honestly. Yeah. That's, that's actually a movie that's on my list and I haven't, can't believe I've not watched it, but yeah. Um, I, you know, we're talking a little bit about uh, where animation is going and, you know, your inspiration. And I'm, I'm wondering what is your sort of like dream job? You're kind of living it, but I was talk a little like, bit about, you know. <laughs> I think that um, growing up, I kind of had my dream jobs. So like, oh, I want to be able to work, you know, at Sony. I want to be able to work at Disney. I want to work at Pixar, these DreamWorks, these places. But um, I think that I think that I, I I no longer want those dream jobs, if that makes sense. I think that it's more like I want to be able to I want to be able to tell certain stories and wherever I can tell that story, that's where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I want to be part of people. I want to be part of certain stories that I get to tell. And like, that is something that really, really um, inspires me a lot. I want to be able to, you know, be part of, that's what, uh, so not inspires me, but that's something that like I aspire towards. Sorry. And like that, those are my dreams now where it's, I want to be able to, I want to be able to be part of phenomenal storytelling, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, you're you're basically self-made. Like you, you've done this pretty much on your own. <laughs> I would say I always say that like I'm I'm self-taught with an asterisk. Like I'm self-directed for sure, but I I have the generosity of so many people behind me. You know. Can you talk a little bit about giving back? Because I know that you you know you work with animation mentors and you volunteer yeah. t- your time and you do talks and you mentor people. Is that part of your sort of uh, your thank you to the community for the, the, oh, the hand up that they gave you? One hundred percent. I think that um, uh, first of all, like I, I'm right now, I'm teaching with animation mentor, and that was that was the biggest the biggest. <laughs> I don't even know what the word to use, but privilege you know because i got animation mentor the people that inadvertently taught me animation you know 
and then when I got to the point where they said, "Hey, would you like to come be a, a teacher?" I was like, "I, I don't feel worthy," <laughs> you know, like to teach at the place that taught me is is such a privilege, and I think that I'm being able to being able to help you know teach other people the thing that I love so much, the craft that I love so much is something that I, I absolutely love and I feel so honored every single day. And like, I love getting to mentor. I love getting to just kind of talk to, to people who are new to animation and, and um, be inspired with them and being able to kind of talk about things that inspired them. And if they're feeling discouraged, being able to be like, you know what? No, just all you have to do is just kind of continue working. If you want to just keep, you know, I, I, Motivational speaking is something that's huge <laughs> to me. I love being able to inspire people with, with words, you know. But, yeah, I think that um, animation is, is, such a, is such a wonderful art form that I, that, you know, getting to be able to, to be part of, play a little part of, of helping the next generation is, is, is huge, you know. If you have only one piece of advice to give people that are thinking about going into the industry or mm -hmm. are going to school to, to be animators, what would that one piece of advice be? The one piece of advice always give is if you want to work in animation, if you want to work in film, don't do it. But if by me saying don't do it, you go, ah, oh, really? Oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do it. Then you shouldn't be doing it. But if by doing that, you say, no, screw you. I'm going to still do it. This is what I love doing. I'm going to, it doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to, that's when you know that you should be doing it because this is not the sort of industry that you should kind of want to do. You know, this is not, it's too much sacrifice. It's too much, you, you mortgage too much of your life and the, and your time for something that you kind of want to do. I always recommend you need to absolutely love this in order to do it. Otherwise you're not going to live the happiest life to be very honest. And that was our conversation with Eri Santos. His latest project, Hotel Transylvania 4, Transformania, is now streaming on Amazon Prime. The Sparkcast is a production of the Spark Computer Graphics Society. Opening and closing credits, as well as additional production support by Michael Edland. For more about Spark CG and our upcoming events, visit sparkcg.org.